Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by MeBank, the bank built and supported by industry super funds. Ever wondered about getting a better deal on your home loan? Well, it might be time to get in touch with MeBank. Whatever your investment strategy, you'll find a loan that's right for you with competitive rates and flexible home loan options. So stop wondering and start saving. Call MeBank on 131 563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply. Now here's the show. absolutely learn a lot from the financial market and if the first thing I could do is get people up off this train, people come in actually learning content and learning about where markets are headed, not being a passenger but being in the driver's seat. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors, find out more about their stories, mindset and strategy. I'm Tyrone Shum. In this episode of Property Investory, we continue the conversation with CEO of Oasis Property, Gavin McPherson. With over 40 properties in his portfolio, he'll share about the people who have inspired him in his property investing journey and most importantly, the strategy he has used to create wealth. As McPherson shares, he believes his property investing method of accumulating wealth was quite easy to apply. To some degree and made people uh, and start to believe now that once you have as many properties as you do, um, it starts to become a little bit punitive. Collecting properties, and if anyone who read my book has got the story out of it, collecting property is not the mission. It's about collecting money. Now, let's, let's forget the moral argument of collecting money, whether that's right or wrong. Let's just say we are collecting money. So property is just a vehicle. So my point is, I suppose at the start, I thought property was an easier way to get there. And I still believe that. So nothing's changed in that. And what I mean by that is, um, so to, to give you a, a, a contrarian point of view, I suppose right now, if I sat right now with everything I'm investing in, I can tell you with absolute confidence that I do not believe that property is the best thing that will, will perform the best thing in my portfolio in 2017. However, the difference with that is with property is that I can take $100,000 and I can borrow 900, which makes a million. And if the market goes up by 10%, I've actually got a 100% return on investment. Obviously, forgetting my friction cost. Let's understand the friction cost in there as well. But just understand the notion. Let's let's execute that to another investment. And if I could be so bold, I'm a bigger, um, some people would know I'm a big commodities investor right now. Um, I've got something close to a couple of million bucks in a uranium mine. That sounds bizarre and some people are not encouraging people at all to get themselves into uranium. However, I believe over the next 12 months, that will be a much better investment. Now, my point is, however, every single dollar of that uranium investment, every single one is cold hard cash. 
okay, $2 million property, I might only have four or $500,000 up for grabs. So to go back to that actual first point is that property has leverage going for it. Do not pretend. I think people are kidding themselves if they think that property is the best performing vehicle out there because it unequivocally is not. And I'd say almost in, in no uncertain terms, since 1901, property is outstripped inflation by between 1% and 2%. That's good. That's great. And, but it's excellent with leverage. So all we actually should be talking about here is leverage. Now, um, so look, I'm not sure whether that answers the question or not, but with regards to um, where I see property, um, I probably I probably now, I don't have disdain for it, please. It's been, property has been very, very, very good to me. Um, but I'm probably more inclined now to be a divestor of property rather than an investor of property. And I don't mean to say I'm going to sell on my investments. That's not what I'm saying. But um, when you get to a certain level, it doesn't make sense to necessarily carry you know, 40, 50 properties under your arm, uh, pay all your holding taxes. Although having a mentor has not worked for him personally, there are multiple people who have inspired him. In addition to certain resources which he has used to educate himself on the industry, he says diversifying your resources is paramount. Okay, I'd always encourage people, they must read the book, um, The Trick to Money is Having Some by a gentleman called Stuart Wilde. That's the first thing. And I, won't, I, will never, now, I will never say mentor. And let me say something very, very contrarian because I know this goes against the grain for a lot of people. Okay. Uh, and let me give you an example as well because I don't think I'm, I, I think for some people a mentor can be very, very um, helpful. However, People have to be very careful to understand that I, I see mentors as a bit of a danger because I, I, and the reason I say that is because I believe you need to look within for your own mentor. You need to be that person that changes yourself and eventually get to a certain level uh, or, you know, you realize the humanity of the mentor. Uh, you know, they have their own um, quirks and they have their own problems. And they have their own issues and sometimes it breaks down what we think about them. The point I'm trying to make is um, I take tips from people that I can absolutely disagree with on 99 things, but I think they have one great pearl of wisdom and I take that pearl of wisdom. The perfect individual doesn't exist and the perfect investment doesn't exist. To give you an example, everyone would know who's read my book, I Love Warren Buffett, to the extent that he's, you know, he only really applies five or ten rules to his whole life and makes him, you know, the second, third most richest person on earth and certainly the most richest, richest investor on earth. Having said that, I, I really, I actually despise a lot of his political leanings and political, eh, not even leanings, but political understanding. I think he's actually almost primary school age in the way that he understands the world. And that sounds like a remarkable statement, but that's my opinion. So I, I suppose I, I try and suggest to them that these people are the ones that are creating their own future. And if they can get a good tip off Susie, that's great. But to consider, you know, Susie, for instance, a mentor and everything, uh, it just hasn't worked for me. Having said that, I know you're looking for some cues. I go to, uh, there's a gentleman called Frank Duster. Now, Frank Duster, I'd say almost no one knows anything about uh, in, in this country, but he's a billionaire out of Canada. Uh, he owns a company called also Lionsgate. My, my point being, Frank, he's an incredible guy. Uh, he's an economist as well. So it, it certainly shows, um, you know, the amount of deliberation and has got some amazing lessons. And it's taught me certainly now to start to look at what makes the world tick. Uh, our three biggest leading indicators of our economy 
China, USA and Europe. You could absolutely learn a lot from the financial market. And if the first thing I could do is get people off off this train, actually learning content and learning about where markets are headed, not being a passenger, but being in the driver's seat, I want these people to pick up The Australian every weekend. I want them to pick up the Financial Review every day. I want them to read Late Line every night, to listen to Late Line on Channel 2 every night. I want them to, to invest themselves into actual um, financial markets, not just locally but globally, and understand that we're leaders. Oh, sorry, we're followers here. We're not leaders. So I'm expecting these people, um, you know, that some of these investors and hopefully some of your listeners start to listen to this and sort of, you know, man up to the occasion because this is pretty tough times ahead. And, and, and if people can, and when I say tough times, anytime there's uh, tough times for some people, there's opportunity for others. So let's turn your, you know, your listeners into those that are opportunists. McPherson found property investment inspiration from a range of sources, including his surrounding family and even the most powerful man in America. You're probably not going to believe this because it's just absolute coincidence. Um, Donald Trump's book didn't didn't hurt the situation. Put it that way. Donald <laughs> Trump had a book out a long time ago, so it was. And, and and I should say, I should also mention, I have I have family who are property developers, so it certainly not wasn't foreign to me. I knew that was the was the ability to make a lot of money doing it. Um, and as much as obviously I mentioned my parents and and their interests, we were certainly always circling around property. Let me say tradesmen and builders, etc. So I knew I knew by virtue and and actually if i can give myself another compliment um if if, if um if i'm allowed sure, i'm very good with sure. my hands i'm very good with my hands i think i really enjoy actually building myself so i know most trades and when i say i can do most trades i mean i'd, I'd prefer not to of course but it helps to have across the board i could you know you could pretty much sit there and not be fleeced by a builder uh, preparing a contract for you and go on site every day, and that that's a real powerful tool to go on site every day and and know actually what the order of business and things should be going. And that that that's something that I learned pretty much even before twenty. Uh, and to have that skill set um, behind you and know the effort, a it probably taught me enough to know that it was the job wasn't for me, but b it taught me to know at least that that is a vehicle um, through which you had to bear uh, the cost of or either or either the effort of, which is dealing with builders. Um, to get through. To dovetail that into the conversation about what maybe want to develop, I, I, I do remember, you know, I, I think it was probably more a um, influence of my uncle. Um, as I mentioned, I do remember, and, and I remember even where I read the book, uh, which is in Sydney Library, uh, Donald Trump's book, um, which is, uh, um, and I can't remember the book because he wrote a few, but one of them might have been The Art of the Deal. Uh, it was a book he wrote in the mid-90s, mm. and that certainly resonated with me, at least from I, I found from point of negotiation, which I think suited my um, my demeanor or my um, my skill set, maybe perhaps, my communication skills, and I thought that's something I could deliver. And um, so what I did, effectively, to, to explain, I went to Gladstone on the back of, of, of um, basically putting all my investments that I'd made prior, just good investments, solid investments in Sydney, mind you, um, when I was young. So since I pretty much could afford a mortgage, I got a mortgage and I parlayed those profits or that equity into three sites in Gladstone. Uh, One of those was a block of units. One of those was called almost a boarding house, I suppose you would say, only on one title, but getting me significant rent. And one of those was a house. Um, and and to, to to cut a long story short, and maybe to give some advice, and this is this is where I want to remind myself now to finish up the conversation with you about cash flow. Um, 
I thought I could develop and just be a developer from day dot. And what I realized is, and the biggest mistake I made, is that I thought I was going to demolish this house, which I did, and I thought I was going to get a DA within six to eight weeks. And I don't know why I thought that. I thought perhaps, because I did make a few trips to council. I met the mayor because I explained the investments that myself and my family were making in the town at that time. And for some reason, I thought this might have been the 1970s and maybe he was, I don't know, maybe his hands were under the table looking for a paper, brown paper bag that weren't there. <laughs> it wasn't there. <laughs> and in any event, and in any event, I was left without a DA for call it eight, 10 months. Um, but me being the fool I was, I knocked down two of those places pretty much immediately. No cash flow. McPherson shares a very important lesson and looking back in hindsight, he wants us to not make the same mistake. The, uh, the cash flow that was necessary um, to keep that going was my biggest downfall and why, why I didn't stay as a developer with $30,000 coming out of my month, uh, out of my pocket every month. I at least needed an income of fifty dollars to $100,000 at least to see this thing through, which I didn't have at the time because I said I'm just going to be a developer. So my point is, is if people don't like their job, before they make that excursion and decide to quit their job and go and buy 64 properties in the bush, Right, I, I think I really think they'd be they'd they'd owe it to themselves and maybe take a holiday first, right, and spend the much money on themselves and maybe just even consider either finding some other changes in the organisation or some changes to an industry that they actually did enjoy because it's one thing even as wealthy as I'm I'm now it's one of those things I don't um I don't expect to go from where I want to be in three years time if I tried to do that tomorrow I would go broke. And that's almost anyone who's ambitious and trying to get to the next stage, you know, uh, in their life. So, cash flow is cash flow is very important, and and I would, you know, I'd be the last person to suggest your clients or your your listeners went out and quit their jobs tomorrow to become investors because you need cash flow. And so, finding that cash flow vehicle is really important. And like I said at the start of this interview, is I look, I make my money from investing. And so someone might say to me, well, why don't you just give up your job? In fact, I had the question yesterday. Why don't you just give up the job and be a professional investor? And the bottom line is, um, as good an investor as I am, I know that three years out of 10, it's still going to be bad times and I have to suffer through those and I need income. And the other thing I learned is when you are a business person and or an investor, or you can almost call them the same because an investor is still a business person, you make terrible, terrible decisions when you do not have money come in your bank account. And those decisions do not make for wise um, for future profit growth. Coming up after the break, we'll delve into McPherson's strategy. I looked at things that that, that, that smell because in short, I'm looking for great assets when there's no buyers. How it's important to always have a backup strategy. The cure for high prices is high prices. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. This episode is brought to you by MeBank, a different kind of bank built and supported by industry super funds. You could be getting a better deal on your home loan by getting in touch with MeBank. They offer competitive rates and two loan types. One with a range of features including the ability to fix your rate and have multiple offset accounts and another that's nice and simple with no ongoing fees. Both loans provide the flexibility of interest only or principal and interest. So, whatever your investment strategy, you'll find a home loan that's right for you. 
Stop wondering and start saving by giving MeBank a call on one three one five six three, or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply. Now back to the show. Are you looking at buying or investing in property? Don't panic. Property is still a great investment. Is it now the time to buy, sell or hold? Find out from Australia's leading industry experts on how to take advantage of today's market. You'll learn the secrets to renovating for profit or gain the knowledge, skills and motivation to invest at the first home buyer's masterclass plus much, much more. Whether you're a new or experienced investor, you can't miss the Sydney Property Buy Expo on the 7th, 8th and 9th of September. Use the promo code PI for a three-day free pass valued at $50. For tickets and more information, visit propertybuyexpo.com.au. Having grown his portfolio to over 40 properties, McPherson has formulated a clear strategy for investing in property. He also acknowledges that sometimes the hardest thing to do as an investor is nothing at all. I buy low every single time, every single time. And when I say that, I don't just mean uh, a property in today, which I believe is an overpriced market in Sydney, Melbourne, for instance, at a million dollars and pick it up for 900 because I believe even 900 is too expensive in, say, a year and a half, two years' time. What I'm saying is I look for things that are in the toilet, whole industries, property, uranium, right, iron ore, banking, don't care where. I look for things that, 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 that smell because in short, I'm looking for great assets when there's no buyers. That's that simple. So that's the first story. Um, to take that to another level, if the market in you know across an industry, uranium, it might be 500% down. In property, it might be 10, 15% down. When it's in that environment already, then I go around and I make sure I shave another 10% off that already, which I call my margin of safety. So irrespective of whether I hold that property as a core asset, meaning forever, or I trade it, either way, I'm covered. Now, now what happens is co- it's a coincidence but it's a beautiful coincidence that when you're buying things at the bottom of the market, you'll find that their yields are particularly high. Let's say $185,000 for, or even something something in Sydney. I'll go back to 2012. Uh, two bedroom, one bath, one car in Coogee, 565. And I think everyone would acknowledge uh, around about the eastern seaboard that Coogee Beach, two bedroom, one bath, one car, 565 is a great, is a great property and $650 per week return. Okay? Now... Obviously, as we all know, uh, four, four years later, call it end of 2016, now where we are 2017, that property is worth 900000 mm. However, that yield has now gone down to 580. Now, I'm not crying in my Wheaties over that because I paid 565. Yep. Okay, because obviously, as more property gets, as markets go up and more property gets supplied and investors put stock onto the market, the tenants to occupy, rents go down. But either way, I, th- I think the analogy is also the the example is really clear. Purchase five sixty five now worth nine hundred, only renting for five eighty, but picks it up at six fifty rent. Um, that's all I do. It's a really simple formula, and and right now, um, with with few exceptions, I don't buy in Sydney, Melbourne. Um, so it's one of those that that's the lesson I think we had in the last podcast, which is sometimes one of the hardest things to do as an investor is nothing. In a situation where you have purchased a property in a declining market and is not improving, McPherson shares with us his tactics including the importance of having a backup plan. 
this for me is that moment if anyone's ever driven a manual car and it just clicks. I was like, okay, I want everyone to listen. This is so important, Tyrone. Let me say this. The cure for high prices is high prices. And the cure for low prices is low prices. Now, that might mean nothing to people or everything to people, but let me play this out, okay? So let's just go with that. I pick it up at 185. And what you're effectively saying is, so what I'm trying to say is, let's go with Gold Coast 2007 and 8, okay? Prices were too high. People were beating prices out. Now, that creates an environment where everyone's putting new stock on the market because everyone's encouraged to do so, correct? Correct. Okay, we had an oversupply. However, that oversupply, after creating that situation where we had oversupply and prices dropped to such an amount that people were not incentivized to build any new property for another nine years. Okay? Now, that creates an environment where eventually, right, the prices get down so low, right, that no more stock has been built. Okay? Mm -hmm. And that can happen. I could apply this to muffins. Okay? Eventually, if you take sugar and... and, and, um, I should know the ingredients, but I don't. Egg and water and flour, I'm imagining, to put into a muffin. Yeah. And, and they all cost you $1.35, and the market only pays you a dollar. What that means is people who do that for a living will not make muffins anymore. Yeah. And the ones that are currently doing it, that have muffin projects on the go, they will go bust. And over a very short period of time, eventually, that will mean no muffins get created for an extended period of time. Now, muffins being a really poor example, but let's pretend it's property. If I'm wrong and prices don't go up in Gold Coast, okay, what that means is there's no incentive to put extra product in the market. So eventually, those properties that people are holding, especially with interstate migration, the Gold Coast that there is, okay, all it just means is you're going to be holding a property for 365 and your rent's going to go from 400 to 450 to 500 to 550 to 600. So how's that a bad thing? So it's a back. It's a basically you've got a backup strategy behind it. If if something goes exactly. wrong with the purchase. Now, now yeah. having said that, I was very disingenuous in saying that. Very. Let me let me explain because markets don't function that way. Because when returns get to about a four and a half five percent yield, the market recognises that and closes the gap, just like they're doing right now. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. You get to you get a property. You buy it for three sixty five. You're getting three hundred and fifty three sixty five dollars a week rent for it. Eventually, the market wakes up because they're paying. They're getting a two percent return in Sydney, and they go. Oh, I'll go Gold Coast. And eventually, so take it, put it another way. Let's, let's got a million dollar block of land. We've got a million dollar block of land and forget the friction cost for a moment. Let's just wrap that up in the land of a million dollars. Let's put a $500,000 house on top equals 1.5. So let me ask you, Tyrone, if the market, if I, if the market came up and only paid you 1.3 for it, what would you do as a developer? Probably. You would go bust. Yep, I'd go bust. And you wouldn't do it in the future if you were a developer on the sidelines thinking about it. Eventually, that happens for so long, people come on your door and go, well, what if I give you one six for it? In short, what you have to remember is when, when you're getting a high yield, there's not enough property. And I know I, I, it might not sound like it, but I know I'm answering your question there insofar as what if the price doesn't go up? That's really easy. That just means with the people that are still moving in the – because I'm taking the underlying uh, principle, of course, that I, I go into areas where I know migration is going to be in the right direction. We're talking areas where we know which have a, a highly predisposed to upward growth. So as long as we take that premise, we know that in the future, without enough dwellings, rents are going up. Exercising is a big part of McPherson's life and contributes to his state of mind, which in turn aids him in his success. 
I mean, I used to exercise a thousand k's a week on the bike, 130, 140 k's running. Probably, probably not that much swimming, but I was a good swimmer anyway. Uh, maybe 15, 20 or so. I know 20 is a bit too much actually. Um, in my old days, so I do a lot of exercise. So every morning I'm on my stand-up paddleboard. Every single morning without fail, um, I jump on. I, I then swim straight after it, and I may run. That might sound like a lot to a lot of people, but that's kind of just my morning. Like I get that over and done with by 6:30, um, and then once that's done, I usually because my the gym's across the road from where I work, um, I go to the gym twice a day. Which really, that is just for me a place of mind. When I feel healthy and I feel strong. Um, I take that into my working life and I really, I embrace that now. And I'll be honest with you, this is probably the downside of that. I actually got quite, I do, I do suffer from depression and that's probably a, a personal thing. I don't always enjoy telling people, but I've, I've come past a full circle and I know, I just know now whether I, when I don't inject those things in my life, um, that just um, amplifies any, any depression I would ever have a chance of getting. So um, exercise is a must for me. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to reach out and connect with McPherson, here's how you can do that. I get probably about two, three emails a week um, where people would just email at info at oasisproperty.com.au and they would just thank me for the lessons they might have learned from my book. And to a man, almost every single one of those people, at least when they're local, I, I try and make an effort to catch up with them. Uh, almost every single one of those persons cannot afford our fees. So it's certainly, I, I never fish for business. They're certainly welcome to ring our hotline, uh, 870-02-8705-3252. That's our Sydney number, but it will get through to our other offices as well. And and the one thing, and, and I think, you know what, I think at this stage in business, it, it's um, I, I'm actually happy to ask for people's business in this sense because what I mean by that is, is um, we have four prongs to our business. Uh, we have a mortgage broking, broking arm, we have a property management arm, we have a legal division, and we also do buyer's agency. But to start up and use our buyer's agency is a $9,680 service just to start. However, for people that do use that service, um, that's a client for life, so you're always welcome to come. If they want to contact us through those numbers or email or just our website, www.oasisproperty.com.au. Thank you to Gavin McPherson, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you want to hear more about his journey, then visit our website at propertyinvestory.com. Simply type in the search bar, Gavin McPherson and select that episode to learn more about his story. Also, are you looking at buying property in 2018? Would you like expert tips and advice on the best ways you can purchase property? Whether you're a new or experienced investor, learn from the experts by downloading the Property Investment Buying Handbook. It contains the best tips and advice from 37 of Australia's leading property experts. Simply visit propertyinveststory.com and subscribe to get your copy right now. Thanks for listening. If you love the show and you're ready to get serious about saving on your home loan, give MeBank a call. MeBank is the bank built by industry super funds, famous for their competitive rates and flexible home loan options. So, whatever your investment strategy, you'll find the loan that's right for you. Call MeBank on 131 563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply.